0: Amen! Another step forward. I think that's the first quartet we've had in 18 months. <laughs> that's exciting. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. And what a beautiful word. You know, we have those storms of life that come, but we know a God who calms the storm. That's really cool. I like that. Thank you for sharing that with us this morning. We're continuing to look at the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, A very unfortunate uh, account of two brothers that get into a squabble, but there are some very important spiritual truths that are within this account. In in Genesis, as always, the the historical accounts in the Bible are not there just to tell us the history. They do. They share with us exactly what happened, but they're there also to teach us some very important truths that we need for our lives. And we've been uh, started last week looking at this account of Cain and Abel. And we'll continue this morning. It's in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to be focusing on the 6th and the 7th verse uh, there in the 4th chapter of Genesis. I watched a fire training video one time. I'm not sure why I was watching a fire training video. I I assume it was for uh, some church thing or maybe it was a school thing or I don't remember exactly what it was. But I do remember one of the instructions that they shared. This is actually very important for you to know. So here's your safety tip for the week. If you're ever involved in a fire, if your smoke alarm goes off or you smell smoke or you think there's a fire, you obviously want to get out of whatever structure you're in if there's a fire. But there's important things you need to remember when you do that. I remember one of the things that they said is that when you come to a closed door, before you open the door, to feel the door with the back of your hand. And if that feels hot, then that means there's fire on the other side and opening that door would allow the fire to come in where you are, which is obviously not what you want to do. And so if that door feels hot, you need to go out of that particular room another way. That, that, that's important. I, I would think that would be good advice and actually can save lives. So I'm a lifesaver today. That feels good. But I've also used that particular technique in in a less than life-threatening situation. Sometimes when we go uh, visit my family in Texas and then we we, we come back, sometimes there's a pretty significant temperature change between when we leave uh, Texas in December and it's 80 and we get up here and the temperature may be a little bit uh, colder. And so I've learned before getting out of the car to feel the window with the back of my hand. And it may look sunshiny, but it may not be quite as warm as it was uh, when we left. So that reminds me, oh, you know, I should have brought my bigger coat and my gloves. Uh, But that's important to know when you're about to exit out of a door what's on the other side. Cain faced that kind of door in his life. Now, it wasn't a physical door, but it actually was... Much more serious than just the difference between hot and cold weather. And even more serious than a life-threatening fire. God warns him that sin is crouching at the door. We find the warning here beginning in verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. This morning we're going to learn something that that all of us need. We all deal with anger in our life. It's, It's a common human emotion that all of us have from time to time. We need to know how to face it in a biblical way. And here the Bible teaches us that when we deal with anger... Don't forget to check the door. The first step in dealing with anger is actually pretty simple. Stop and think about it. Now you remember the story up to this point. Last week we began this account of the two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Abel was a shepherd, Cain was a farmer, both excellent professions. And it came time to bring an offering to the Lord and Abel brought the very best of his flock, while Cain just brought what he had left over from his harvest. According to verse 5 and 6, the Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's offering. We discovered as we looked at verses uh, 4 and 5 that it had nothing to do with the offering itself. The gift was not the question, it was the giver that was the issue. While Cain was just fulfilling an obligation, Abel actually came to worship God, and it made all the difference. Well, Cain gets upset that the Lord has not received his offering in the way that he thought he should. And so the Lord confronts him about it with these words that we just read in verse 6. Why are you angry, and why is your face downcast? Now, obviously, God knew why Cain was upset. He was pouting because God had accepted Abel's offering, but not his. God didn't ask him why he was angry because he didn't know. He asked Cain why he was angry because Cain needed to stop and think about. Why is this situation making me upset? What am I really angry about? I've spoken to a lot of angry people through the years, family members that got angry, friends who got angry, neighbors who got angry, people in the line at Walmart who got angry. People are just angry everywhere. I, I used to just think I, I attracted angry people, but that's not the case. It's just there's a lot of angry people around. Funny thing, most of them don't really know what it is they're angry about. They know they're angry But often their anger comes out at whatever happens to be closest, not the actual object of their anger. They kick the dog because they got passed over for a promotion at work. They yell at their kids because their parents yelled at them when they were a kid. They chew out the customer service rep on the phone for a product that was broken by somebody that packaged it in a factory in a whole other state from where this customer service rep actually lives. Cain's anger was that way. He was mad at his brother. He gets mad at God. But actually, Cain was the one who was at fault. Abel didn't make him bring a crummy sacrifice. God didn't need his sacrifice. We looked at that last week. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our grain. He doesn't need our cows. He's got all of that his need. The offering's not about God. The offering's about us recognizing that God has given us everything. The offering's about us recognizing that God is God. So it wasn't Abel's fault. It wasn't God's fault. And those were the two people that Cain was angry with in this particular situation. The reality was the only person Cain hurt because of his sacrifice was himself. At least the only person that got hurt so far. And that's why God warns them. Stop a minute, Cain. Let's just stop a minute. Why are you mad? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Stop! And let's think about this a minute. We all get angry. Even people who don't act angry get angry. They've just learned how to deal with it in a better way. The first step is to realize that whoever it is that you're about to take out your anger on them, if you stop and think about it, nine times out of ten, they're not really the one that has caused whatever it is that you're angry about. There is a reason why your mother told you to stop and count to ten when you're angry. Because in that time that it takes you to count from one to ten, you often have a much better chance of realizing that the person you're about to jump down their throat really doesn't have anything to do with what it is that's actually bothering you. One pastor uses the acronym THINK, T-H-I-N-K, to help us do what Cain should have done, what God was trying to help him do, to stop and think about his anger. The T stands for truthful. Is what you're angry about really accurate? Is it really truthful? Is it really what happened? Or have you just kind of made this situation worse than it actually was to begin with? The H stands for helpful. It's what you're about to say, the words that are about to come out of your mouth, are they actually going to help the situation or are they going to make it worse? Or even more significantly, are they going to help the individual that you're dealing with or are they just going to hurt them? The I stands for, is it inspirational? And this is something we need need to realize. We all should be inspirational to the people to whom we speak. We should be pointing people to Jesus. Are the words you're about to say going to point them to Jesus or are they going to point them somewhere else? Does it build them up? Or does it tear them down? Sometimes we have to speak difficult words. But those difficult words should always seek to build someone up to help them out of a situation that they are in. And sometimes it takes difficult words to do that. But our objective should never be to tear them down, but always to point them to the Lord. N stands for necessary. Is what you're about to say really necessary or are you just venting? Do you just want to get it off your chest? Is it really necessary to say what you're about to say? And finally, K. Is what you're about to say kind? Now, again, sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with someone, someone who's caught up in sin, someone who's done something that they need to be corrected for. That conversation, even though sometimes it's difficult, can still be kind. Kind. If, again, we're looking to build the person up, if, if again, we're, we're seeking to point them toward the Savior, if, if, again, what our objective is, is not to tear them down, but rather to point them toward the Lord. That's the kindest thing we could possibly do. It's what we're about to say. Kind. The first step in conquering our anger is to stop and think. The second step in the solution to anger can prevent the real problem with anger. Because when it comes to anger, sometimes we open some doors that we really wish we hadn't opened. And that's the second warning that God gives to to Cain. First, he asks him to stop and think. And then he gives Cain a very vivid image for a warning. He says, there's a wild animal crouching at the door that you're about to open up. Verse 7, he says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. God here gives a simple solution. He says, Cain, you need to stop and think about this and then do what's right. Truth is, it's what Cain should have done in the first place before he ever gathered up his leftover grain for the sacrifice. He should have stopped and asked himself, why am I I doing this sacrifice? What is this really about? Am I just trying to impress the family? Am I trying to make myself look good? Or is this really about something far more significant? Am I really seeking to worship God? If he had stopped to think about that, he would have realized that his offering should have been an expression of his gratefulness to God. An expression of worship to God, to the God who had provided the harvest that he now had to share. His offering was a way to express his love for the Lord who loved him. Now, if he'd have thought about that, if he'd have just stopped for a minute, instead of being angry about having this obligation to go do this worship thing, he wouldn't have wimped out by bringing just his leftovers. He would have done what was right. He would have actually come to worship God instead of just trying to improve his social position amongst the four people that existed at that particular time in the world. Had Cain done that, God would have accepted his offering just as he had accepted his brothers. None of the horrible things that happened next would have ever had a chance to happen if Cain hadn't opened the door. So God warns him. He warns him about what is about to happen. If he didn't get a handle on his anger, things were not going to turn out well. Sin was crouching at the door. Uh, that's an image that's not too hard to figure out. I, I unlocked this door right out here this morning and there was a squirrel standing there at the door. <laughs> and not wanting to chase a squirrel for the rest of this morning, <laughs> I kind of shooed the squirrel away before I opened the door. Well, this wasn't a squirrel that was standing outside the cane's door. It was something far More serious. Anyone who's ever been to the zoo has seen this. If you've gone there at feeding time. The zookeeper does not take the tiger food into the tiger enclosure while the tiger is in the enclosure. They're much smarter than that. They move the, the tiger out of their enclosure into another area where they're then separated from the area that the zookeeper is about to enter in. And then they bring the food into that enclosure, place it down, the zookeeper gets out of that enclosure, and then and only then do they allow the tiger to come in where the food is. Now why do they do that? Well, because they know that tigers hungry. And he's going to eat whatever is between him and his food. And not wanting to become today's Purina tiger chow, the zookeeper has the brilliant idea to say, well, I'm going to get out of here before I open the door and let the tiger in. God knew that Cain was about to become something much worse than just tiger chow. Because the tiger, in this instance, was not only going to consume Cain, it was going to consume his brother also. So he tells Cain, stop! Think about this. There is sin crouching at the door. Don't open it! He says to Cain, Do what's right. Now, what was right for Cain to do in this situation? Well, it's pretty obvious. The Bible makes it very, very clear. Cain needed to fall to his knees and confess to the Lord, Lord, I have sinned. The offering I brought wasn't from my heart. I didn't come here to worship you today. I came here for a lot of other reasons. The least of which was to give you glory. And and God, that's on me. Forgive me, Lord. And God tells him, if you do what's right, it'll be all right. If if Cain would have asked for God's forgiveness, God would have forgiven him. He, he, He would have accepted his offering. He would have said, Cain, just like your brother Abel, you're my son too. Welcome into my presence. And God tells him something else, that in in that confession, in doing what was right, Cain would master his anger. Now that's a pretty incredible thing. Most of us, when we get angry, it begins to consume us and we we just, you know, we feel it starting to bubble up and bubble up and bubble up. And then all of a sudden it explodes and and we, we find ourselves just out of control. And, and we can even be thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I saying these words? Why am I taking these actions? This doesn't make any sense at all. And yet we are fully involved because we've opened the door. And a much better time to recognize that is before we've ever opened the door at all. To simply come to the Lord and confess, Lord, you know, boy, I've got some stuff that I just need to let go of. I've got some stuff that I've been thinking about. It doesn't need to be there anymore, Lord. And I don't want it there anymore. God, forgive me. Why does the Bible tell us to confess our sin to God? I mean, God already knows. It's not like when we committed that sin that God wasn't looking and just didn't see it. And so we've got to go tell him, oh, 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 God, I've got to inform you of something that maybe you don't know about. No, he already knows. In fact, he already knew before we did it. Jesus knew. When he went on the cross, when his hands were being nailed, he knew. He knew every single sin that I would commit, that you would commit. He knew them all. And He paid for them all through His shed blood. So why would God want us to tell Him something that He already knows? Because we need to know it. We need to realize the devastation that sin brings. We need to realize the permanent destruction that sin leaves in its path when it's unforgiven. When it's left unconfessed. We need to see how destructive that is. Sin is crouching at the door. Not just for Cain, it's crouching at the door for all of us. But we don't have to let it in. That's the good news. And if we've made the mistake of opening that door, we don't have to let our sin eat the rest of everybody around us. God's prepared a much better Way. First John 1, nine puts it very succinctly. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Don't let anger rule your life. Stop. Think about it. Realize the destructive nature of what you're about to do. And then confess it to God. Let his healing power of forgiveness enter your heart and cleanse you. Holding on to anger only hurts you and everyone around you. So don't open the door. Find God's better way. Heavenly Father, all of us get angry. Sometimes that anger is justified, sometimes it's not. But, Lord, we must never let anger control us. You are our Lord and God, not our anger. So, Heavenly Father, help us to think, just to stop. Sometimes in life we just need to stop and think about it. And come to you and ask for your wisdom, for your guidance. And Lord, you'll tell us the same thing you told Cain. That that the door we're about to open, it's really hot behind that door. There's danger lurking there. You don't want to let that in. So God, help us have your wisdom. Keep that door closed. Find in you the better way. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and you've never personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't really even know what that's all about. I'm not not sure I understand. What do you mean? I I know about Jesus. I I know the Christmas story. I know the Easter story. I'm here in church. What, what, What more is there? There's so much more. And we want to share it with you this morning. You see, God doesn't want to just deliver you from your anger. He wants to deliver you from all of your sin, everything, every unkind thought, every poor choice, everything that you have done outside of his command. He wants to forgive you of all of that. And you say, well, that doesn't sound possible. You don't know what I've done. I don't know what God does. And he offers this incredible opportunity for you. It's, just, it's incredible because it, we can't imagine that it's true, but the Bible says it is. It says if simply by faith we come to Christ, recognizing that he truly is Lord of all, that he truly did die on the cross for our sin, and then three days later he rose again, that he really is alive right now if we receive Him as our Lord and our Savior, confessing our sin to Him, our need for Him, the Bible says He will forgive us. and that? That's amazing. And that's what we want to share with you this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front of the auditorium. I invite you to just come down here. I'll, I'll share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, how you can find forgiveness for all those times that you've made Wrong decisions, all those times that you've been, (laughs) Cain, how you can find forgiveness for it all and so much more. You come this morning in just a moment. We recognize it's still the pandemic time and some people aren't quite ready for that face-to-face conversation. That's okay. We have another way as well. There in the pew racks before you, there's a little white card. It says connection card on the top of it. Just take that card. Give me a way to contact you, an address, phone number, email, whatever you're comfortable with and and just write on the card. I want to know more about Jesus. So there's actually just a check box. You can check. I want to follow Jesus. And then as you leave this morning, you'll see some baskets at the doors. Just drop that card in, in the basket and I'll be in touch with you this week. Uh, how, whatever way you gave me to contact you to let you know how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching us online, we have a digital form of that very same connection card. It's on our website, nationalheights.org. The link is hello. You'll you'll see that link on our Facebook page if you're watching us there. You can follow the link. Or if you're watching us on our website, the link is located just below uh, the video where you'll see the feed this morning. Uh, Follow that. Uh, Give us some contact information, and and I'll be in touch with you uh, very shortly this week to share with you how you can know the Lord as well. Maybe there's another way that God is working in your heart this morning. Perhaps you're looking for a church home. You already know the Lord as your Savior, but, but you really know the importance of being part of a local congregation, and we'd be glad to share with you all. You can be a part of what God's doing here at National Heights. Or, or maybe there's some other way that God is, is leading in your life this morning. Perhaps you have a prayer need, something that, that God has, has just laid on your heart. Maybe there's a friend or relative that's facing a need. Maybe you're facing a need in your own life. Uh, on the reverse side of that connection card, there's a place where you can just write down your, your prayer request. Or if you're watching us digitally, that, there's a text box at the very bottom of that digital card where you can type in your, your prayer request. We would be honored to be praying with you in these coming days in, in whatever area that, that you have need. Whatever it might be, we, we ask you this morning to follow God's call in your life today as we stand together and as we sing.